I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this week's Spoko Radio, we discuss the week one action in the Big Ten, make some picks for week two, and update our Big Ten playoff contender list. We also preview Iowa's game against Rutgers by looking at what Iowa needs to carry over from week one and what can't happen again if Iowa wants to start Big Ten playoff 1-0. Sit back, relax, and get ready for the boom. unbeaten no more piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes but when his number was called seven got six Welcome to Spoko Radio on the Blackheart Gold Pants podcast feed I'm your host DC with me as always it's the guy gunning for my job it's Jerry Sherwin Jer how was your first taste of hosting going? DC, so nice to see you. Welcome <laughs> back to the show, my friend. It's nice to be back. How you doing? I'm doing great. Another beautiful day in Philadelphia. Glad to hear it. And we are also joined, as always, by the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you? DC, I'm doing great. I'm glad you're back. It gives me more of an opportunity to yell at Jerry like I'm accustomed to. With you as our beautiful host. Welcome back, DC. I hope you had a great trip in Vegas. We had a great time. I'm merely the middleman between this this great show, but let's uh, I keep things on the rails, as I say. Guys, remember reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. We are everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We also have a voicemail line again. Pumping up the voicemail line, leave us a voicemail, 224-661-0909. Leave a voicemail during the game. We want to hear from you guys and gals in the moment. We want to hear what your reactions to are things big or small. We'll compile all the voicemails and play the best each week. Again, the number is 224-661-0909. And like Jerry said, I think the offer still stands. Best voicemail for the season. We'll get an autographed football and uh, we'll make sure to get that out to you guys. But you got to leave a voicemail to be able to uh, qualify. And we had a text question to start the show for the outside zone. Again, you can you can text us questions on the voicemail line too. But please, please, please leave voicemails. They're way more fun to play on the show. This, uh, the text came from Nile in the 641 area code. Kinnick? Nah, maybe Kinnick, but I don't think he's really around. Um, if Iowa had a Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts type quarterback... How much would the offense change? Jerry, we'll start with you. Absolutely zero. Zero percent change. <laughs> I, I don't like when are we going to. This is the reason that Peyton Mansell isn't the quarterback, the backup quarterback, and he's not going to be in this program. Maybe, maybe there is more. No, I'm going back to it. It's just not going to change at all. Nate Stanley mm-hmm. is a great quarterback as it is. Why is it going to change for a Justin Fields? So 
because you saw Nate Stanley run one RPO that he kept, he there's nothing's gonna the offense doesn't change at all. You're convinced that Iowa would just run the exact same amount of plays that they normally do, and not utilize that athleticism at the quarterback position. No, yeah, I mean, did you not see Nate Stanley this weekend? You looked fantastic. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but 20 yards speaks for itself. Oh, hey, Nate Stanley looked great. Not going to take anything away from him, but. If we had an athletic quarterback like a Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, I would like to see that utilized a little bit more on offense. Champ, what do you think? I mean, one of the most ridiculous takes Jerry's ever made in his life, and he makes some absolute ridiculous takes on a weekly basis. As you listeners know, first of all, thank you, Niall, for the text and giving us a question. And to say that this offense wouldn't change is absolutely absurd. They would definitely run more uh, RPOs. They would be a lot more running (laughs) by the quarterback. The quarterback would be in shotgun. I would say 90% of the time they wouldn't be in, you know, two running backs or two fullbacks, two tight end formations. If you have a dynamic runner like a Justin Fields or a Jalen Hurts, you have to utilize that in your offense. You can't have the same offense that you have now. Yes, I understand. Nate Stanley had a nice 20-yard run. He looked like he was running in quicksand. Let's be serious. He's not that fleet of foot. <laughs> That's and we, rude. And we don't want him running the ball. If That's you had false. one of these guys, you would love for them to run the ball. Jalen Hurts ran for 175 yards the other night. You're telling me you don't want to utilize that in your offense? The question wasn't if I would like to have them or not. And it, it I didn't also say wa- that. It said if you had them, would the offense change? Right. And, of and the question would change. You didn't let me finish. The question is also not. Is Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz going away for Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley? They're not going to just run the quarterback all of a sudden and start putting in more RPOs. Iowa had Brad Banks. They utilized Brad Banks very differently than they normally use Iowa quarterbacks. Well, that was the last time Iowa had in a quarterback with any sort of athleticism. That's because they don't like it. Not, That's not the not. question, though. It's not if the, we prefer slow Nate Stanley or athletic Jalen Hurts. It's would the offense change if we had one of those? And for you to say that it wouldn't is ridiculous. Who beats Nate Stanley in a race, you or Nate Stanley? Probably Nate Stanley, but I'm a 275-pound, 32-year-old man. I'm not fast. I mean, <laughs> let's be serious. I mean, Champ's got a good point. He's not an athlete, so he should. He should. If he's beating Nate Stanley in a race, we got we got bigger issues. Yeah, that would be a big time problem. But no, there's no question to, to answer the question as it's asked. The offense would change. The offense would be dramatically different. I think because I think you would you would naturally want to use that running back, Jerry. You always preach it. Fourth and one. Fourth and one. What do the Patriots do? They Tom Brady sneaks it. Well, Iowa would have, then have a quarterback even way more athletic than Tom Brady who could run more times in third and short. Guess what Iowa's been struggling with offensively lately? Third and short mm-hmm. situations, getting the ball, running you the ball. You could do that with Nate Stanley, though. You don't need a Jalen Hurts to come in and do that. Why? Tom Brady's the most unathletic dude the in the question entire is, NFL. Why wouldn't you utilize the talents that these quarterbacks have? And one of their major talents is running with the football. So you're telling me you wouldn't want to utilize that if you had one of them? That's is pure, Nate Stanley still on his roster? Foolishness. Foolishness. This is a you don't see the Iowa staff changing what they a, like to do for these guys. But this is a hypothetical question. It's not saying. And I'm hypothetically sticking with my coaching that's staff. A, it's wrong. You're wrong. I'm sorry. It's a wrong answer. In fact, they wouldn't even start him over Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley would still be the starter, and they would be like, well, we're going to try to get Jalen in to see what he can do. 
I mean, that's more likely. But I, I think, Jerry, you're, you're, you're wrong in the sense that the coaching staff not adapting because I think we even saw it last week. Mm. You we can't be wrong with, in a hypothetical. We saw, so we saw way more 11 personnel than we have ever seen before. And I think that's showing that the, the offensive coaches are willing to adapt to make the offense better. If you had a quarterback with that type of athleticism, I think they got the coaching staff would change to it, change its system, change its philosophy to utilize that talent. You exactly. think that the twenty-year-old offense of inside and outside zone is going to change because of? I mean, Dan it Hurts? already has changed. I mean, they're still running inside outside zone. They are running those, still... but they're also running other plays. The offense is not the same one as when Brian Ferentz took over. He's utilizing some of the talent he has, like Makai Sargent, and running out of shotgun. When have we seen Iowa run out of shotgun except for the last couple of years? It hasn't happened. You can also still run those same plays with with other quarterbacks. Every spread concept still has a fundamental outside zone, inside zone running play attached to it. Just It's just dressed up differently. So we're going to run the Josh Gaddis power spread. That's fine. All right. That was fun. Was that not fun to watch? Not really. That, that I didn't really have a good time in the second half watching Michigan at all. Well, we'll get to the conference in a second. But, I mean, this, this, is, this is a silly hypothetical to debate because I don't think Iowa's really going to, you know, go after a quarterback like this. But one thing I did want to follow up on this because we saw it all with week one, brand new quarterbacks making debuts. Do you think it's a possibility Iowa ever dips its toe into the transfer portal to, to get a quarterback? Let's no. say hypothetically this offseason when Nate Stanley graduates. No, because I think Kirk and Brian really like when a guy comes in, he takes the he red, does the redshirt freshman year, gets stronger, gets to know the offense. He's sitting behind like a junior senior, and then he eventually starts as like a sophomore or junior. That's what I think they like. I think that's the preferred um, route that they like their quarterbacks in the program. I disagree. Shocking, I know, but I think Iowa would dip their toes in a in a potential, you know, senior quarterback that can come in and start right away. You know, Kirk preaches that he likes to have veteran guys leading the team, and why not? In a year or two, if there's a guy coming off a big season and there's a young young up and coming quarterback coming into that system, and this guy could be available, I mean, there it's silly for you not to think that they could dip their toes into that. No, I'm I'm with you there, champ. I think it, it's I, I go both. I'm kind of in the fence. I'm kind of the Jerry in this situation. I I think Iowa being open to you know taking Oliver Martin back. It's like I I don't know what the circumstances need to be for them to also now be willing to go back in there and entertain a quarterback who wants to come to Iowa City. Like to me, you've you've opened up that possibility by allowing Oliver Martin and welcoming him back to Iowa City. That's okay. That that means that like this quarterback was on like was being targeted by Iowa before he made a dumb selection, which I just don't see. Like Iowa's not getting all these guys that are like going to different. Like if you're an Iowa guy, they target you so early in this whole thing, and if you start spurning him, for the most part, if you're a quarterback, Iowa's not going to be back in on you because they already have two or three guys that they went to instead. So I just that's what I'm saying. Like this is an Iowa thing. This isn't like a talent thing. I just see them being like, we have our two guys that we picked because you spurned us. We have them in our program. They're getting stronger. They know our playbook. We we have confidence in them. They show confidence in us. That's why we're going to move forward with these guys. That's a very Kirk Ferentz thing to do, right or wrong. But he does have that type of loyalty when you show that type of respect to his program. That's the Eno Benjamin thing all over. No, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But I think the the flip side of that is. 
I was not shy of going after guys who've already verbally committed elsewhere. Sorry, to other schools. To it's the, schools. it's the opposite of Eno. I mean, they've gone after guys who, who've committed to Minnesota, also in Wisconsin. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a big Brian Ferentz thing, and some of the new coaching staff that's there. I mean, yeah. Well, if guess, who a- has, guess who has more sway in this in this program right now? Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, and the younger coaches. Gary Barta. Um, <laughs> no, again, if there's an Iowa City West kid that is a four star that goes to Michigan, he hates Jim Harbaugh and wants to come back home. Obviously, Iowa is going to kick the kick the can down the road and see if that's of interest to them. Of course, they are. They have to, but. There's other people out there that if like they, I just don't see it happening. I guess for quarterback, something that I, I hope that the coaching staff would consider if the opportunity did present itself. They would. Champ, final word of champ. They would. All right, guys, let's move over to the rest of the conference. Again, thank you to Niall for the text question. Remember, give us a call, 224-661-0909 with your reactions. We'll play the best voicemails each week on the show. Let's move over to the conference preview for week two. We've got a, a week of games under our belt. As I wrote about uh, this today on the site for uh, Blackheart Gold Pants, the, the Fan Pulse t- Top 25 uh, the first week usually brings a lot of overreactions, right? You only have one game of sample size, so you can only have so much to kind of go off of, and people tend to overreact to just one game. So I figured what better way to go through the conference and see whether or not things are overreactions or, or, or things that aren't really overreactions, things that we should kind of let play out. So I've kind of come up with a statement for each of these teams. I'll read them off. And, and we'll have you guys tell me whether or not you think that's an overreaction. And we'll kind of talk about the teams and how they played in week one based on that. So let's start with champ's favorite team, Illinois. And my statement here is Lovey Smith's going to make champ eat his words with, with Brandon Peters being the right quarterback for Illinois champ. Why don't you start things? It's absolutely absurd. I mean, Lovey still made the wrong decision. Yes, congratulations. You kicked Akron's sorry asses. Congrats, Lovey and Brandon Peters. But Isaiah Williams is the quarterback for that team. He should have been named the starter before the season, and he wasn't. And I think they're going to regret that in a big way as the season moves on. Jerry, what do you say about, about Lovey Smith's quarterback decision? I think that is the perfect reaction towards the people's champ because this dude that he has been touting for the last couple weeks didn't even get a snap in a 42-3 to victory. They brought in Robinson or whoever the hell that guy is. I don't remember you telling us about him. I think that Peters is the guy. I think he had a nice outing. It wasn't a great outing, but he still finished with three touchdowns. That's a very nice QB performance for a team like Illinois and for a guy like Lovey Smith, who we have mentioned multiple times before, has a propensity to forget what good quarterbacks play really looks like. I mean, if you want a bum quarterback like Brandon Peters to manage the game for you and make a couple decent passes but not win you anything, then sure, Lovey, stick with him. If you want a four-star athletic quarterback that somehow chose Notre Notre Dame, chose Illinois over other schools that he got offers for, and you're not going to play him, he's going to transfer. And then, Lovey, you're going to be shit out of luck because you're not going to have any quarterbacks because Brandon Peters is not good. Well, I mean, if anything, Lovey Smith's shown us as Bears fans that he prefers a quarterback who's unathletic and can just kind of 
will kind of be a quarterback manager as Kyle Orton was for the Bears for, for many. Well, that's what Brandon Peters is. So if he likes that, then stick with him for the whole season. Just saying, that's the way defensive coaches usually like to operate. They don't like the guys who can potentially turn the ball over a lot. All right, let's go to everybody's favorite program, our old friends in Nebraska. The offense is in more trouble than the defense this year. Jerry, let's start with you. That is not even close to an overreaction. That's not even a reaction. That's just the, the truth. The offense looked pitiful against South Alabama, which is one of, it's statistically proven, one of the worst football teams in all of college football. This offense could not do anything. How many rushing yards did they have on 44 attempts? Anybody want to tell me? I don't remember. 98. I'm going to guess 97. <laughs> oh, I was close. 2.2 <laughs> yards per rush. And by the way, that 2.2 yards per rush is with a an alleged child pornography revenge porn a-hole running the football for them that Scott Frost and somehow the national media hasn't said a goddamn thing about, which is absolutely outrageous. This Nebraska offense is garbage. I had I have no belief in them at all, and I really do. Like, anybody that said they're going to win more than seven football games, I hope they're eating their words right now. I mean, the, the funny thing is, Adrian Martinez was a, a preseason Heisman candidate. He didn't look great. Again, like you said, 30 QBR! Yeah. No, and, and as you said, the, the running attack wasn't very good versus a very bad team. And I, I just think Scott Frost says he's not worried. He's going get to get it fixed on offense. If anybody can do it, Scott Frost is the offensive guy. He pro- probably is a little bit of an overreaction. But I, to me, it's, I think, more, wor- more worth watching than whether or not the defense gets better. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Martinez was not good. There's no way to sugarcoat that. The running game was not good. Martinez was 13 of 22 for 178 yards, zero touchdowns and an interception. And then he rushed 13 times for six fucking yards. I mean, that's utterly pathetic against a South Alabama team that may not win a game this year. I mean, (laughs) let's be honest. South Alabama is not a very good – not a very good – they're a horrible college football team, and Nebraska squeaked by them. Their offense is in a lot of trouble. I said this last week that, uh, well, well, we'll save that prediction until later in the show. We're going to do some score predictions, so I won't get too ahead of myself. Can I also make another point real quick? Absolutely. So, DC, you said, like, if, if anybody's going to fix the offense, it's Scott Frost. I did. So I was thinking a lot about this, and now – People that have followed our show for a long time know that I have a soft spot in my heart for Scott Frost because I was in Orlando for that UCF team that was 13-0. I was clamoring for them to be – I was doing the We Want Bama chants. I was saying that they were perfect. They deserved the real rings. Obviously, it was outrageous. But I was looking at his record earlier today knowing that we were going to talk about this. He was 6-7, and seven, then 13-0, then he's 4-8. and eight. And then he struggles with his vaunted offense against freaking South Alabama. Are we really that sure based on that, that, that sample size alone that Scott Frost is this miraculous coach? Or is this just more Nebraska 1995 blowhard hype? I think it's probably a combination of both. I think he is a very good offensive coach, right? He came from Oregon where, when they when – he, so he's, he's very well – like established with offensive philosophy, identity, kind of what he wants to run and being high octane. But I also think he needs 
a little bit of a of a different. I don't really know what the I don't know what's wrong with the offense, right? Because he has a quarterback who maybe you know what maybe Adrian Martinez just isn't a good quarterback. Maybe that's the issue. What? I know. Shocking to How possibly hear that. But that could be really it. He didn't look good. He looked very uneasy in the pocket all game. And so I just I'm very curious to see how he progresses in this offense if he is even the right guy and if Scott Frost looks to move on from him because he just can't trust him to run the offense. Something we'll have to keep keep an eye on. Let's stick in the in the Big Ten West. We'll go to Minnesota. And I have written written down here the offensive line is going to be what crushes the Gophers this year. Champ, we'll start with you. That's I think that's a pretty accurate statement. The offensive line did not look good for a team that's supposed to be able to run the ball at will, like everybody keeps telling us that Minnesota is supposed to be able to do. They didn't run it very well against South Dakota State. I mean that they they played pretty poorly. They had to hold on at the end of that game, and South Dakota State basically gave them a gift at the end of that game with that fumble to put them in great field position oh. for them to go score. But after that, the first drive of that game where Minnesota ran the ball well, I think it was like an 18 play drive where they went right down the field. They, I think they only threw like four passes on that whole drive. After that drive, they couldn't really run the ball the rest of the game. They were running for, you know, two yards here, two yards there. It wasn't pretty, and I think your your statement is pretty damn accurate. Champ, you saying they struggled to run the ball is an understatement. They had 3.1 yards per carry versus South Dakota State. That's unacceptable. Yeah, and, and I would say after the first drive, they probably averaged under two yards a carry the rest of that game because that first drive, mm-hmm. they were rolling right down the field. And then after that, they literally were just running into the line. The penetration coming from the vaunted South Dakota State defensive line. Like, the entire game, and it was ugly. And we know they are not going to be able to throw the ball very effectively. We could see their quarterback was not very good at throwing it either. Tanner Morgan's not good. Morgan's going to have to run, and they're going to have to run the ball with the running backs. And if they continue to run like that, they're going to be a 4-5-1 or team. No, I, I totally agree. I think they had two sacks allowed, five tackles for losses allowed, the 3.1 yards per carry. I do think Minnesota has got some good uh, uh, playmakers, some good skill guys that they could get if they could just get the ball to, but I think the offensive line does hold them back. I really – I don't think – offensive line is one of those things sometimes where just time heals, heals all wounds type of thing, whereas guys are kind of with together, they gel, they're in lockstep, they kind of can overcome a little bit more. But I just really think this Minnesota line is just not good. Their right guard, I think, is the guy who's like 400 pounds and like 6'8". He's, he's just a huge man. He just doesn't he doesn't move very well. Yeah, he he lines off up lines yeah, up because he's sides. so fucking huge that he can't move backwards. So he has to <laughs> move back half a yard behind everybody else. I mean, he's a massive human being. And he, he just he can't move. And I think that's nothing. Time doesn't help that at all, right? If you can't move an offensive lineman. You aren't going to be effective, and I think that's really going to help. What do you think, Jer? This is another classic swing and a miss from the media who just didn't want to take Wisconsin or Iowa because they wanted to have some sort of fire take. I said this in our preview show. Minnesota is that classic uh, season away from being a season away. They're still so young. I, I don't think that we're – I think we're going to see a different Minnesota team. I do think they're going to run the ball. But I think the loss of Zach Anikstead is actually the real loss here because Tanner Morgan's a bum. He's a He's bum. He's not good. Don't He's not a good quarterback. Tell us how you really feel, baby. 
I'm saying, I mean, if we're just going to point fingers here of what the real problem is towards the end of the season, I do think that Minnesota eventually gets the offensive line play in order because they have the type of talent there. I think they're going to be able to run the football because that's what they want to do at their heart of hearts. But it's going to come down to Tanner Morgan winning them football games. And if you're going to bet your hard-earned cash on Tanner Morgan winning you football games, you're out of your you're goddamn go mind. If you're doing that, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Row the boat back to your bookie to pay him off. You're going to be rowing the boat with a lot of cash in it to pay your bookie because you're going to have no money. Um, so you're gonna have to sell the boat. So one of the things from the preseason wise, like Jerry kind of seeing the media picking every, everybody in the big time West could be contenders. Do you think that changed after one week? Right. Is, is it now just a two team race in the West? Yes. Champ. Do you think, do you think so too? I I have thought it was a two team race in the West all along. The only team that I thought possibly could do anything and i mean no actually no i did i'm not even gonna say it what were you gonna I'm finish not, i'm not gonna finish, finish because finish overreaction give me an overreaction no it's it's the two it's a two-team race that's what it is were you gonna say purdue i was gonna say purdue <laughs> i mean you know i was gonna say purdue but they're i mean i sindelar played so well for most of that game and then just forgot how to be a quarterback at the end it was just turning the ball over that was the only other team I thought. It's just, it, they, it's just hurt me the last two years that they beat the shit out of Iowa. So it's their offense is just so good. But I don't think the defense is there enough for them to be a contender. But yes, you got me. I was gonna say Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go to Northwestern real quick. They rolled into Stanford with a two quarterback system. But TJ Green, Trent Green's son, got hurt, and he's probably going to be missed for either all the season or at least most of the season. So the, my overreaction is Hunter Johnson getting all the quarterback snaps will save Northwestern's season, and they will be a contender for the Big Ten West. <laughs> Champ, go for it. Hunter, you want to talk about trash? It's Hunter Johnson. <laughs> Jesus, he was bad against Stanford. The guy could not even complete a pass. I mean, they're throwing like five-yard in routes, five-yard comebacks, you know, seven-yard out routes, and the motherfucker couldn't complete anything. It was so pathetic. Stanford literally is trying to give Northwestern that game on a silver platter. Their backup quarterback might have even been worse than Hunter Johnson in the second half, and I don't know how that's possible, but they're literally trying to give Northwestern the game, and Northwestern wouldn't take it. Hunter Johnson talking there's a reason Jerry said this perfectly as we were all watching this game there's a reason that he's not on Clemson because he's not very good they got rid of his ass because he would have been he might not have been good enough to be a backup at Clemson let alone be a starter there so there's a reason he transferred he does not look good at all and that is a I know you were being facetious but that is a ridiculous statement DC Hunter Johnson is not leading Northwestern anywhere except for four wins so just to set the record straight, these are not my beliefs. These are just things to get you guys talking about these games. But Jerry, is Hunter Johnson going to be the, the cure-all for Northwestern this year? So this kind of goes to my point from earlier. Like, there are good things that happen in the transfer portal like a Jalen Hurts, but there are situations like this where a guy gets all the hype going into a season, your fan base is pushing for him to come in and take over the starting quarterback job, and then he lays a giant egg, a smelly fart egg. And that's Hunter Johnson. And he's a dual threat guy. He should theoretically work just fine in Northwestern. But he's not. This guy, 
I don't know what this was. I don't understand this performance at all. I don't know if Pat Fitzgerald's already like laying on all the excuses, but this set football back 20 years. I was so freaking bored watching this football game. So you guys don't think it was just one week and he has a talent to kind of elevate his game. I mean, he was really bad. There's no, I, I mean, mean, it's a very low bar to clear, but you guys don't think he's going to get any better? I mean, he can get, there's not much where else to go but up with how bad he played. So, yes, he probably will get better, but that was absolutely pathetic. I don't think he has the talent. Jerome, go ahead, baby. So, maybe this week the, the hype gets a little up there because he's going against UNLV, and I'm not going to lie, I have no idea what that defense looks like. But immediately after, he has to go up against probably the best defense in the Big Ten in Michigan State, then the second best defense in Wisconsin. Then he has to play at Nebraska, who actually had a decent defensive performance this past weekend, then Ohio State, then Iowa. This guy is going through the gauntlet. I just counted on my fingers five losses in a <laughs> row after UNLV Northwestern. I I thought my prediction might have been a little low at five and seven, and that looks high to me now. I think they might be a three or four win team this year. He might throw four picks against Michigan State. Oh, he's so bad. On that he's note, honestly, a disgrace to my last name. <laughs> I mean, to be truthful. <laughs> On that note, let's go to Michigan State. Kenny Willicks will win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Jerry, go ahead. I, I would give this award to uh, – I will say this. Whatever the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year is going to go to, it should be somebody on Michigan State. I don't know who that might be because they're loaded. This is the best – and, I again, this is a little bit of an overreaction, but Michigan State's defense – Carried that offense through that entire game against Tulsa. That twenty-eight to the, the, the Michigan State offense could do anything against Tulsa, which is one of the worst defenses in all of college football, by the way. But that defense was legit. They they the way they run to the balls like they're all shot out of a cannon. Whatever D'Antonio has done up there to get this defense to where they're at, they're going to carry them very very far. I mean, they need to carry him. But Kenny had one and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for losses, and two forced fumbles versus Tulsa. It, it's basically the line that you thought you were going to get from AJ Epinesa this past week. But and he, oh, not, not only did he force two fumbles, he recovered one of them as well. I mean, the guy played an exceptional game. Right now, he's got to be your favorite to win Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, he's an absolute force on the edge. On the edge, and that hair. I mean, it gets me every time. The guy is an absolute stud. I think he's going to be a great player. He was a great player last year. I mean, he wasn't talked about as much as some other guys on that defense, but he is damn good. And I think he, I, I would love to say AJ Epinesa is going to win it, but right now you got to say Kenny's going to is your odds on favor right now to win it. He also said after the game that they were sloppy on defense and they utterly dominated. So it's scary if they can get into another level. Maybe he meant they were sloppy on offense led by their garbage <laughs> quarterback, but that's another point for another day. He was talking about the defense, but yeah, let's, uh, let's go back to the Big Ten West, go to Wisconsin, keeping with, with award season. Jonathan Taylor's going to win the Heisman now that he can catch passes out of the backfield. Jerry, go ahead. I owe an apology to Wisconsin. Yeah, thank you. Here we go. It's about time you had some fucking accountability for your ridiculous takes. I... I, I say some shit. I talk some shit. But when I'm wrong, I have no problem admitting I was wrong. Wisconsin, you have a quarterback that's, for the most part, just going to be a game manager. But your offensive line and your running back is probably, if not the best, top three in the entire country. Your defense looks 
as good as advertised, and I didn't believe in it. I apologize to the Badgers. Jonathan Taylor, now that he's catching footballs and scoring in every single way possible on the field, how can you just not enjoy watching him play football? I was entirely wrong, and I look forward to watching him the rest of the season. Champion Jonathan Taylor winning the Heisman? I mean, I predicted before the season that he was going to be a second in the Heisman race. Jerry ripped me a new one after that because their <laughs> offensive line had to replace all these starters and blah, blah, blah. Jonathan that was stupid. John, you, did you taste that, Jerome, in your mouth? That's called fucking crow that you just ate. Jonathan Taylor shoved it right into your mouth. He dominated this game. He had four touchdowns, two rushing, two receiving. He probably would have had a couple more if they weren't blowing him out so badly and literally sat him the entire, most of the second half. He played into the third quarter a little bit. The whole fourth quarter, he was resting for the most part. I mean, if he plays most of that game, he might have scored six touchdowns. I mean, absolute beating. Jonathan Taylor is your Heisman favorite this year, He especially if he does anything like he did coming catching the ball out of the backfield. With, to have two receiving touchdowns on two catches to go with his rushing total. The guy's an absolute monster. He's my favorite player to watch outside of Iowa in the Big Ten and maybe in the nation. It's a lot of Jonathan Taylor love. I cannot wait until Iowa plays them later this year. Let's go to Michigan. Michigan will struggle while playing both uh, Patterson and McCaffrey all season long. Uh, Champ, what do you say? I agree. I think they need to pick a guy. They can't, you know, you can't keep rotating these quarterbacks in. Nobody can get in a rhythm if you got both of these guys going in and out, one coming in for a play, one coming in for a series, one leaving for a series. You got to pick your guy, and it should be Shea Patterson. I think he he's an actual quarterback. McCaffrey is a guy who can run. He can't really throw the ball very well. Let, you can use McCaffrey on that team, which they did in the first half at other positions. Put him at wide out. Put him in the backfield. He's athletic enough to do those type of things. Shea Patterson should be the quarterback of Michigan. They should go with one guy. This rotating crap, it's not going to lead them to any success. So I know that they were playing both McCaffrey and even Shea Patterson outside of playing at quarterback, but it just looked weird. It looked clunky. It didn't. It wasn't a as fluid as it probably will be later on in the season. But I, I agree with you, Champ. They they need to settle on one guy, and if it means one other guy transfers, so be it. But for the sake of where they want to get to this year, they need to play one guy. Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I said this last week that Jim Harbaugh's already ruining this offense. It's like he can't just let somebody just go for it. Um, with that said, I don't think Shea Patterson's the guy that's going to get them over the hump. I, but I, I just don't believe in this Michigan team. Like giving up 21 points to Middle Tennessee when the defense is probably supposed to be like the thing that's going to get you to the Big Ten championship, I think that's a little concerning. But I don't really believe in either of these two. I think the offense was really weird after watching this. Granted, I didn't watch it live, but I did watch the playback. I didn't understand what Josh Gaddis was trying to do. I think I was confused. It felt like he was trying to just kind of see what he can build on. What He's going to throw everything out there and now kind of pull back and kind of go with what works. I agree. I think he was kind of feeling his way through that game, you know, throwing a lot of different options out there. I think he's going to settle on more a more concise game plan going forward. But I agree 100%, DC. I thought he was doing a lot of crazy things just to see what would work, you know, kind of feeling his way through. They He knew they were going to beat Middle Tennessee. It was kind of like a practice game where he can try a lot of new things. But I think he needs to – 
you know, shrink that down a little bit, go with one guy. I I mean, McCaffrey's dad is an all pro, was an all-pro wide receiver. Why can't he be that? I mean, put him at wide receiver, let him work out there. And, I mean, if he wants to transfer, he could transfer. But I would go with Shea as my quarterback. Sound like the Mac Brown school of coaching there, champ. Just moving quarterbacks to different positions on the field. I mean, he's got a lot of special. to do it. Go take a couple lessons from your father, and you can you can be a great receiver. Just that your easy. Father. Let's, let's go to an offense that was humming, Ohio State. Ohio State's Woo. offense is going to be like pressing the easy button all year long. Champ, kick us off. I mean, I don't know about all year long, but for the most part, Ohio State's going to roll over opponents. Their offense is dynamic. I said this going into that game. Justin Fields didn't show me anything to not believe in him. I mean, he the guy looked absolutely exceptional, both running the ball and throwing the ball. He's going to be a great quarterback in this conference. And Ohio State's offense is going to average 40, 50 points a game on a weekly basis. I don't think this is an anomaly. They're going to continue doing this all year. I agree with you, champ. Jared, did Justin Fields show you enough in week one? Given the opponent, no. Because, because that first quarter, guys were running wide open all over the field. And this guy was literally just throwing pop flies, and these receivers were just running under it. With literally, there was there was multiple on what he throw. Did he throw all four in the first? They had he threw one, he threw one in the second. Yeah. Okay. So of those three in the first, on all three of them, there wasn't a defender in the screen at all. So I'm just saying. Noted, like, again, let's noted. Just this is going to be mean. Noted. This is going to be mean. Would Nate Stanley complete those passes? <laughs> That's a good point, DC. Nate Stanley had one time where the guy was wide open and he missed him. I'm just saying, yes. it's not. But it's he not a, It's I, not a given. Nate that Stanley you're is also a senior that's been doing it for a lot longer, and this was Justin Fields' first start and was hitting him just. First fine. of all, this wasn't the question, so turning this on me is really just <laughs> n- not a worthwhile project. You just, you just have to. <laughs> I have to kind of cover all bases here, right? If, if, you're, if you're saying you're not seeing anything from him hitting wide open deep balls, maybe look in the mirror a little bit at our own starting quarterback who can't hit wide open deep balls. Tell him. He, tell him. He needs to hear it. Hear what? Oh, now, you know what? I'm not even going to go there because, Champ, you know just as much as anybody because you said it on Saturday's show. Nate Stanley dropping dimes in the bucket in the red zone is the only fucking thing that matters anyway. So screw you both. Justin Fields sucked in the second half. And if you're going to tell me that you believe in this kid after his second half performance alone, you guys are out of your mind. That defense was horrid for FAU. There was no cornerback or safety play at all. There was no center fielder and any of those long-distance throws. I think the second half... Justin Fields that we got is the true Justin Fields. I think it's going to be a little bit of an up and down season for him when things start getting tougher when he gets into Big Ten play. Talk to me then. You don't think Ryan Day took the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half? You don't think that had anything to do with it? Took the foot off the gas. It's 45 to 21 final. It's not like FAU wasn't around. FAU started scoring in the second half. I mean, if you watched that game and thought FAU had any chance of winning that game, you're a moron. Not enough to take the foot off the, uh, the gas. The, the my, I mean, Justin Fields is just going to be just fine. And J.K. Dobbins is a great running back as well. I mean, the Ohio State's offense is a juggernaut, bro. I'm sorry. You're going to see it all year. Don't worry. They don't have to play Iowa until the Big Ten Championship. So don't worry about it. All right. We'll 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 take a break real quick. Like, let Jer cool off after he got attacked uh, by the Justin keep Fields. Keep Ohio State's ass. <laughs> we'll be right back. We'll finish off with the Big Ten and then go into Iowa Rutgers. Get you guys ready for the week. We'll be right back. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. We are talking about the Big Ten after one week of college football. Let's go back. Let's readdress our Big Ten playoff contenders. So last week I asked you guys who in the Big Ten would be contenders for the playoff in your mind. As a reminder, Jarrett only has <laughs> Iowa. Jarrett's only Big Ten playoff team is Iowa. Champ I'm spit up my water. Champ and myself have a few more teams. But let's see after one week, Jer. Has any other team cracked your playoff contender list or no? Wisconsin's cracked my list. Okay. Penn State's cracked my list. Okay. And I'm still waiting on Ohio State. So my list is a three-team list right now. The fact that you're still waiting on Ohio State blows my mind. But okay. Why? We, we touched on it before the break. They... they were scoring at will when they were actually trying. To so was Sean Clifford. I'd rather have Sean Clifford than Justin Fields right now. Wow. Where's Champ? What what changes to your list, if any, have been made? No changes. I have a my list remains the same. I had Iowa, Wisconsin from the West, and I had Ohio State and Penn State from the East. None of those four teams did anything this weekend to make me change. And none of the other teams really showed me enough to be added to that list. So not so even my four my list didn't change either, but it's also the biggest and it has those four teams plus Michigan. So Champ, I'll ask you this. Michigan, knowing if they kind of pull back and ran in the offense and doing and does does what works, that won't get you to think that they're playoff contenders? No, because I I see two losses, maybe three on their schedule. I think they're going to lose to Penn State. I think they're going to lose to Ohio State. And they potentially could lose to Iowa as well. And when you have three losses in that side of the conference, you're not a contender for me. So even if their offense does look better, which I expect it to, I just don't see them as a contender. It's a good point. All right. What are you guys, anything else on the contender before we move to picks in the cross the conference this week? Um, I just have one more quick thing for those that didn't really watch the Penn State game. I did watch the first half at least. K.J. Hamler is going to be the offensive player of the year if he keeps this going. Four catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns. The kid is a jet, and I think Clifford, it's his his absolute go-to guy. So the Penn State offense is just as fun without McSorley as it was before outside of those Iowa games. We'll see what it's like when they're not playing Idaho. Yeah, okay, that's fair. All right. We got five games in the Big Ten to pick this week. They're actually five pretty good games across the board. Um, it's a good it's a good week for the non-conference in the Big Ten. We'll start with Syracuse. They are two-point favorites going to Maryland. Jerry, why don't you kick us off with the pick? 
I already bet this game. Maryland is the biggest pretender off of the week one Big Ten slate. Like, kicking the shit out of Howard, congratulations. I know you scored 79 points for your, your brethren, RIP and P, but you guys are going to get your asses worked by Syracuse. This is a good football team. Maryland, you are not one. Champ, what do you think? I, there's nothing really for me to add to those statements. I completely agree. I think Syracuse being only two-point favorites is an absolute <laughs> joke. Steal. I mean, Maryland is a garbage team that beat an even more garbage team by a lot week one. So now they're getting some sort of respect. I, I don't get it, but Vegas knows, I guess. I don't think they're going to get this one particularly. I don't think it's going to be particularly close either. I think Syracuse wins by at least two touchdowns. Bet it now. Yep, bet that now. It's a clean sweep on the show. Syracuse is the pick. Next up, Vanderbilt goes to Purdue. Purdue is seven-point favorites, even after losing to Nevada. Champ, what's your pick? Uh, it's, I keep going back and forth with this one. If if this was a, you know, our love it and leave it, I would just leave this one. I think it's going to be right on the dot. I think Purdue comes back this week and gets a win, but Vandy's not a, a horrible team. They're, you know, a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC. So I, if gone to my head, I'd take the points in Vandy in this one. Jerry, what do you think? I think I'm with Champ by taking the points. This is probably one of those where I, I don't even want any part to do with it. I don't know what Vanderbilt is because they had to go to Georgia, which I think is probably one of the legit, legit contenders, and they got worked. Um, I know 30 to 6 isn't as like high as 79 to nothing or anything like that, but I just don't know if I really believe in Vanderbilt. I think Purdue wins this game. Um, but I'm taking the points. I'll I'll take Purdue. I'll lay the points. I'll take Purdue. It's they're honoring Tyler Trent before the game. The team's gonna come out inspired. And they're going to cover those seven points against Vanderbilt, keeping the Big Ten over SEC uh, at in play. Next up, Nebraska. They're, they're going. They're going up in elevation. They're going to Colorado. They are Nebraska. Somehow four point favorites on the road versus Colorado. Jerry, what do you got? Parlay this right now with Syracuse. <laughs> Just parlay it. Thank me later. Count your blessings. Count your money. The, this is so absurd. I can't believe Nebraska's favorite in this game. <laughs> this is outrageous. Colorado's going to put up probably 400-some yards, and I think they're good enough to stop Nebraska after the offensive performance we saw. Plus, they have to go to Colorado. They're not caring about the elevation and all that jazz. This is, this is Colorado running away from it. I agree. Champ, what about you? Uh, I think Colorado wins this. I said it last week that Nebraska is going to get all hyped. I thought they were going to work South Alabama. They did not, and now I, I'm going to stick with my pick in Colorado. I think Steven Montez is going to have a big game at Colorado. He's their quarterback. He had a nice game last week against Colorado State. I expect more of the same against Nebraska oh, this God. week, and I think Colorado wins outright. Take Definitely take the points, and take I would even take the money line. I think Colorado wins this game straight up. The over-under for this is 65-and-a-half, by the way, which, once again, they are expecting lots of points. So side with the team that just had 475 yards and 52 points a week ago. Clean sweep. Let's do these next two quick. Minnesota, three-point favorites on the road at Fresno State. Champ, what do you got? Give me Fresno State at home game. They got to travel across the country. They're getting points. I mean, come on now. Fresno State plus the three. Jer? I believe did Fresno State hurt their get their quarterback hurt for the season last week? 
Uh, he, I don't know if it's for the season, but he did get hurt. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and take, I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to roll with Minnesota. I think they get back on track, but this game is super late on the West coast. So that is a little weird. Body clocks. I'm going to take Fresno state. I'm going to be the champ. All right. With that. They look good against USC for a lot of that first half. Until the quarterback got annihilated. That's also true. And it's USC. Are we really going to use them as the okay, barometer? Okay, we're not talking about USC right now. DC, go on. <laughs> All right, last up, Cincinnati at Ohio State. Champ, why don't you kick things off since Jerry's a non-believer? Uh, this is a cl- – what is it? What do we have it at, 16 and a half? Uh, sorry, I looked at it right before we started recording. It's 16 now. 16. So, eh. It's another one that I think is actually, I think Cincinnati gives Ohio State a game here. I think it's going to be around a two touchdown win for Ohio State. So, yeah, I would take the 16 in Cincinnati. Jerry, what do you say? I'm taking 16. I'm taking the points and and rolling with Cincinnati here. I think Justin Fields is going to throw two picks this game. Great. I think he's going to throw five touchdowns, and I think I'm going to take Ohio State. Right. You guys are such believers. I took I don't Cincinnati. What do you make? Simmer down. I took the points. Two touchdowns. Uh, in-state rival. Give me the points. I'll I'll take Ohio State. They're gonna they're gonna continue to roll in the non-conference. All right, guys. Let's roll into Iowa Rutgers preview. Iowa's coming off of a nice win against Miami of Ohio. Go right into conference play week two. Something Kirk Ferentz cannot like at all whatsoever. Hates no. it. Has, hates has it to hate sure. it. But the figured way, way we can preview this is give me some things you want to see carry over from that win against Miami of Ohio to this game against Rutgers. Champ, we'll start with you. What's one thing you want to see? The one big thing I want to see, and I think this is we're all going to kind of echo this statement, is they can need to continue to run the ball like they did against uh, – uh, now I'm blanking on who they played. Jesus. Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio. Yes, they need to continue to run the ball like they did week one out of multiple different sets using multiple different guys. They use three running backs effectively, effectively week one, and I want to see him do that again. We talked about it on the postgame show, Jerome. Makai Sargent can get you you know, 60% of the looks as your primary ball carrier, but Torin Young and uh, our wonderful freshman, and it's lo- looking like Goodson's going to be the third third running back this year you need to get him some looks too if they can continue to run the ball like they did week one they're going to have a great game again this week against Rutgers and that's my number one thing I would love to see carry over into this week Jay what about what about you for me it goes hand in hand with the running game and it's how this offensive line continues to gel without Alaric Jackson I thought the most important thing this past week was how well these kids and that's what they are if you look at the Iowa depth chart right now every single one of the backups is either a redshirt freshman or a sophomore so when I say these kids I mean these kids how well they come in and they gel with the rest of the offensive line we're talking about NFL caliber starters that they're mixing and matching with. It's hard in this offensive system. Scott Docterman wrote about it today. It's hard for uh, for these types of offensive linemen to just come in and, and fill in in a spot and have everything work effectively, and that's exactly what happened in Miami, Ohio. I want to see that again against Rutgers. Those are both great points. Champ, to your point on the running game, UMass versus Rutgers had 5.4 yards per rush against Rutgers last week. So getting the running game, continuing to have that set the tone, is the most important thing. 
Jared, the, the offensive line, how they backfill Eric Jackson, totally in something that needs to kind of they need to they need to not be mentioned. They need to it just be basically there, fulfill like filling in the like their roles, and so no one actually notices them. That's the mark of a good offensive lineman. And I'm going to add one other thing to that is the offense continuing to spread the ball around to multiple different receivers. This offense, champ, as you said, that running out of different personnel groups, different formations. Making this offense as dynamic and as multiple as possible is only going to help once the schedule gets much more tough, much more difficult against Michigan, against Penn State, against Wisconsin, even against Northwestern. Making Northwestern spread out on defense, a team that doesn't have a ton of team speed, is going to be so important down the season to be able to run the ball effectively, like Champ, you were saying. But to me, and that is so it's seeing all those guys get involved in, in the offense was so great to see last week. And I want to see that again moving forward. So, with that being kind of what we want to see moving into the Rutgers game or carrying over from the Miami game to the Rutgers game, what can't happen that happened last week versus Rutgers? Jay, we'll start with you this time. So the Iowa secondary can't let McLean Carter and these receivers run all over the field. Rutgers did go down pretty early, but then they came back into that game and eventually won against, and I know it's UMass, but for the receivers, I think there was a total of 15 catches for almost like 250 yards between the two of them. It was probably more than 250. Like Iowa this week, they kind of got burned. If Rutgers decides to take a couple plays out of Miami of Ohio by going fast, doing those quick hitters, not letting enough time for the Iowa pressure to get in the face of their quarterback, I think that could be a, a little bit of a problem. Obviously, Iowa switched to that 4 3. Um, to kind of make things create a little bit more and more happen to them in the second half. But they have to be sound in the secondary. The cash, if they decide to go nickel this week, it has to be better because this kid can also throw picks. He threw three of them last week. It's still Rutgers at the end of the day. But if you're going to have a close game with Rutgers, it's going to be through the air, and Iowa can't let that happen. I'm going to echo that because I think the the defense in the first half, I didn't get to kind of chime in on kind of post-game reaction thoughts immediately after. The defense in the first half kind of seemed a little sleepy, a little slow to go. That can't happen this week. Rutgers scored more points in the second quarter last week than it did in all but one full game last season. So if the defense is coming out of the gate slow to kick things off, they're going to dig themselves a hole that it's. I don't know if they're going to be willing to or be able to get out of. And I think on top of that, Jerry, you said the secondary has to make plays in the balls on on McLean Carter. But I also want to see AJ Epinesa get going. He cannot have he cannot be so quiet. It's that's hard though, guys. Like I, I, I get it. AJ didn't show up on the film, but he was getting double triple teamed. He was getting chipped a bunch. Like I agree that the rest of the line should show up if they're going to do that to him. But AJ Epines is getting double and triple team. Like what more can he do outside of absorbing those guys? Stop. You want to talk about this guy being a number three pick in the NFL draft, beat some fucking double teams. You're going to get chipped. You're going to be double teamed a lot this year. You're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to get to the quarterback. That's my number one thing DC that I want to see this week is more pressure from the defensive line. They did not get to the quarterback hardly at all last week. And they're going to need to get to the quarterback this week because Bo Pelton is one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. He showed it last week. He had six catches for 127 yards and a touchdown. He's a dynamic receiver for Rutgers. So they're going to need to get to the quarterback so he cannot create an open space like he did last week. They need to get to the goddamn quarterback. Did you forget what the game plan was for Miami, Miami of Ohio in a couple days, champ? 
It was quick hitters. The ball was out. You can't rush the quarterback when the ball is. It's literally a one-step drop when the ball is out. There was plenty of time where they rolled around and Gabbert's brother was running around and there was no pressure back there and he had plenty of time. I understand that there was a lot of quick hitters, but that doesn't excuse the fact that on the non-quick hitters that the defensive line didn't get home. We can be critical of this D-line. Everybody says how great they're going to be this year. Let's see it this week. Then we're going to need... AJ's going to get double teamed all year, bro. That's going to happen. He's going to have to get to the quarterback. But you're, there, there's also part of that when he's getting double teamed that where he has to also contain his his side. So, like, I, we don't know what AJ's responsibilities are outside of rushing the quarterback. I just said the rest of the defensive line needs to show up. Davion Nixon, if you want us to believe that you're the Alabama type of recruit at defensive tackle and you're like this big savior up in the middle, then yes, that's on you. We're going to need more of Jones rushing the quarterback and standing up. We're going to need more of those packages. We're going to need Chauncey Goals to show up. I agree because A.J. is going to continue to eat up two and three hats every on the majority of long, like third and long type situations. But Agreed. Okay. And to that point, though, Jared, and to Champ's point, if he's going to be as, as – of a much of an impact player as everyone seems to think he is. Think of all the of the top NFL edge rushers and defensive linemen. They're getting double teamed and triple teamed even in the NFL, and they're still coming out and they're still making plays. AJ Epinesa had one assisting tackle at, for the entire game. I don't need him to make. They sacks. didn't run to his side at all. I understand. I don't need to him side. to make sacks. I don't need him to do solo tackles. He needs to be more involved. On the de- I agree with you. The defensive line as a whole needs to get more pressure. But if AJ Epinesa is going to be as a as everyone seems to think a top five NFL draft pick, he needs to fight through double teams a little bit better. When an offense walks onto a field and they're immediately trying to take two or three guys off that offense to just deal with one guy, doesn't that already mean that he's being a playmaker? He's already taking, absorbing two and three hats just on his own, which means that there should be an advantage for the rest of the defense. Is that not in and of itself something that is positive for the Iowa defense with just him being on the field? For sure, but I'm, all, I, I'm not, that, that's 100% correct. But as a talent, I mean, we are all Bears fans. We saw the impact Khalil Mack had in the first game and him still getting double teamed and him still having an impact on, on games for the defense for the Bears all last season. I'm not asking Edgy Epinesa to have a Khalil Mack impact, but I do want to see him flash a little bit more and fight through double teams a little bit better than what he showed week one. I'd, l- I'd like to hear his name called a couple times in the game. Is that too much to ask, D- or Jerome? Is that okay? That I'd like to I'm actually just... hear the announcer say, AJ Epinesa made a play. He- I didn't hear it all week one. That's fine, but when they don't, Miami of Ohio did not run anything to his side for him to even have a play made. Okay, well, we're not talking about Miami of Ohio anymore. We're talking about the future now. Great. If Rutgers runs to his side, I will guarantee that A.J. Epinesa's name is called. Okay, good. Well, we've both expecting, all three of us expected a lot of things from A.J. Epinesa this year, and I want to see it starting this week. I don't want (laughs) to wait until we play quote-unquote good teams. I want him to dominate against Rutgers this week. That, that Hawaii 5-0 thing, Jerry, we were pushing earlier, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to do when he has 11 games to get, to 50, to get to the 50 marker now. Well, you yep. know what will help him if Chauncey Golston shows up and Davion Nixon shows up and starts doing their job? Because I, in my opinion, Epinesa did his job that entire game by just eating players up. It was those other guys you that need, didn't show up. You need up. to ask for more from your star players than just eating players up. Sorry, bro. Okay, I'll agree to disagree because you're wrong. (laughs) 
right. Anything else, guys, you guys want to touch on, whether it's from last week versus Miami of Ohio versus or this week against Rutgers? Anything you guys want to get in there before we make a pick for this week? Um, I think it's important to, to discuss this, um, the Oliver Martin piece of it. Oh, sure. Um, it's, it, it was interesting. I, I will never forget that moment. I think it was huge. DC, obviously, we didn't get to talk to you about it. But for that to be his first catch, that touchdown, um, is ginormous. But I think the pa- fans need to just remember that this kid just came here. He's a very smart kid. As long as he's playing by the start of the Michigan game, then we shouldn't have any worries in the world. Get Right now, Iowa's shown that they have three receivers that they really like, plus Oliver Martin, whatever he can be. So as long as Iowa continues to work him into the offense, and by the time they get to the Michigan game to start the actual conference play, because Rucker sucks and we should definitely win this game, that's the only thing that matters is this offense is rolling with Oliver Martin in week, what is it, five? Yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and to me, like I saw a lot of people talking, like, where is he? Why is he in the field? Joe, you hit the nail on the head. He's still pretty new to this program overall the fact that he was even on the field week one even on a limited basis is remarkable because of how much he had to learn and take in on the the playbook to be able to even play and that's going to expand as he gets more and more comfortable and to your point jerry you hit the it's perfect right by week five when when or whenever the michigan game is he should have a greater impact on this on these games week week in and week out because he'll be more comfortable in the system correct you guys are both 100% correct. I mean, we're never going to forget that moment. It was literally not his first catch. It was the first time he even stepped on the field as an Iowa Hawkeye. His, maybe his second snap. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was his first. I got excited. But, I mean, it was still a beautiful moment making that catch. He's just going to keep pass, getting, by the way. Beautiful pass. He's just going to keep getting better and playing more and more snaps. And by that Michigan game, he's going to be raring to go against his former team, and he's going to contribute in a big way. It's a a great point. Anything else, guys, before we go to our pick on this game? Let's pick it. Let's make some picks. All right. Iowa is a 20-point favorite as of recording this on Wednesday evening. Rutgers comes to town 1-0 as well. Who's the pick? Jared, we'll start with you. I think this is going to be a very similar situation to the Miami of Ohio game, although I expect Iowa to come out early and score some points, and then we'll probably get some of those backups in to get some time, and that's when things might dial down a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and say that this game is going to be 35-13. to 13. Okay, and Champ, what about you? Very similar score to Week 1, Jerome. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a pretty similar game. Uh, I actually think that I was going to win by exactly 20 points. I think it's going to be a 40 to 20 win. I think that's going to be the final score. Uh, so if, if you had to take the points or not, I would just leave it because I think it's going to be right around 20. I could see them wanting to get the backups in a little more, you know, get some more playing time at the end of the game. They didn't get to play much against Miami of Ohio. So I think Iowa wins 40 to 20. I will take the Hawkeyes covering as well, but it'll be 31 to 7. I think we'll see the defense take a, a big bounce back. I think we will see AJ Epinesa in the defensive line get to that quarterback way more than we did week one. And I think the, def- the secondary will be able to feast on McLean Carter as he threw three interceptions last week, as Jared mentioned. Anything else, guys, before we wrap things up? No, sir. All right, guys. Reminder, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin. I'm at Dave Cray. We've got the voicemail line. Leave us a voicemail during the Rutgers game, 224 661 
and we will be back to post game. We'll have a reaction post game after the show, and uh, then we'll get into Iowa State next week, which we will have a special special guest for that. So make sure you're subscribing and share the podcast with your friends. So for our big surprise guest next week, guys, so excited for that surprise. Could it be Seneca Wallace? Who knows? We'll have to tune in to find out. For Jer, for Champ, I'm DC. We'll talk to you guys again after the Rutgers game. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. Halifa Dalla. Trick or treat, Iowa City. (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.